Lonely song, the songs for you. Last week, we talked about understanding being. And a recent phone conversation that I had showed me there's a need for more understanding when it comes to being. We're going to talk some more about being. It would be fair to say there's always going to be a need for more understanding, whether it be of being or anything else. And if you don't agree with that, it's because you don't understand. <laughs> Truly, if you don't agree with that, it's because you don't understand. The thing is, is, we're living in an infinite universe, and we don't know how much we can develop. We don't know what it means to be perfect. We don't know what it means to perfect our being. And the reason we don't know what it means to perfect our being is because we don't really know what our being is. And even if we do start to discover what our being is, that doesn't mean we've discovered what it could be, what it will develop into if we follow the path of understanding and raising our level of being, the possibility of our evolution. And that evolution must be in being. It's your being that must evolve. Who cares if your little finger gets shorter or your head gets bigger? You know, who cares about the physical stuff? We know that that doesn't matter. Oh, it may matter in little things, but ultimately, it's your being that determines what you're going to do with your physical stuff. So, someone like Stephen Hawking, who's got some rugged physical stuff to work with, has an incredible being. Incredible being, incredible intelligence, incredible light, an incredible mind. But look at the handicaps. So we can see from that that being is what determines what a person is, because isness is being. So it's not the physical thing, it's the being. And that's something that we don't quite understand because we're so riveted, we're so focused, we're so glued to this physical world through the five senses. I was reading. I saw something the other day on the internet. I was amazed. Some woman went to this person, not a doctor, just this person at this like this house party, what is the augmentation house party. And this is in South Florida. And this guy wasn't really even a guy. It was like the, didn't even know what it was, a transgender person. And had all kinds of tubes and stuff. Well, she wanted some part of her body augmented, which will remain unspoken but she wanted some part of it so this guy put flat tire flat fixer and cement and a bunch of other stuff and mixed this silicone and mixed this stuff all together and then injected this into this person's part of the body that she wanted augmented well then she was in pain she was in this terrible pain all the time and so she's screaming in agony and the guy said well it's almost over it's almost over and so she finally has it quit, and she goes home, well, this stuff is expanding and expanding and expanding inside of her, and she's getting sicker and sicker and sicker, and still in pain, so she goes to the hospital. And the doctors are trying to figure out what's wrong with her, and they can't figure out what's wrong with her. Well, she doesn't tell them. She's so embarrassed at what she's done, she doesn't tell them. So there's, in the middle of the examination, she gets up and leaves. She goes home, and the pain is so unbearable, she goes to another place. And same thing, she leaves. Anyway, then her mother saw something on the news and realized this what her daughter had done, that this was this big rage in South Florida and other people were coming up with this. So her mother calls the hospital and then takes her to the hospital. And then they fess up and tell her, so the doctors are calling, trying to get a hold of this person who did this procedure to find out what they injected into her so that they could, because it was toxic 
and it was killing her, making her sick. So what I, this whole point is, you would think no one would do that. <laughs> who, who would do that? You would think who would do that? And, and in the pictures of her were like, oh my God, I hope they can fix that because they really messed her up. So my point is that we are so body conscious Especially today, it's getting worse and worse all the time. It's all people think about. They have their face lifted, they have acid peels, they have their hair dyed, they have hair transplants, they have their head shaved, they do this, they do that. They you know, have liposuction, they have augmentation surgery, they have all of this stuff, and people are spending billions of dollars on this just so that they can present an image that's purely physical. And their being hasn't changed at all. They're still not going to be Stephen Hawking. They're still not going to be Mother Teresa. They're still not going to be Bill Gates or Warren Buffett or whomever they think, or Angelina Jolie or whoever they think they're going to be, or Brad Pitt or whoever the latest divorced couple is of the beautiful people. If they're so happy, if they're so happy being beautiful, if that's really the answer, then why are they always getting divorced? So being needs to be understood. We have a pressing need to understand our own being. You'd think, as mired as we are in self-emotions, we jump at the chance to examine our being. Not so. We don't jump at the chance to examine our being. Because we don't understand being in general, and our being specifically, we lack the valuation necessary to make the proper effort. It's going to take effort. It's like going to the gym and working out. Yes, everybody can go by the membership. Everybody can go for a week or two. But after that, do you have the valuation to make the effort? After you've done the dough and the ray and me, then do you have the valuation to make the necessary effort to get to fa, where there's an interval, where everybody stops, where everybody runs into a wall? Do you have it there? And the answer for most people is no, absolutely not. And the gyms count on it. That's why they can sell 10,000 memberships and only have 100 people in the gym. Because they know what's going to happen. Because numbers don't lie. Unless, of course, they do. <laughs> but then it's not the numbers that are lying, it's the people who are manipulating them. Especially, we can't seem to remember, our being attracts our life. We ascribe what happens to us to all sorts of things, but rarely, very rarely, to our being. Unless, of course, it's a good thing. If it's a really good thing, then we ascribe that to our being. Well, yes, uh, I attracted that because I have such wonderful being. And that is more self-love, more self-admiration, more self-adulation. The same old, same old for us. But we seem to never tire of that. Our being is much more complicated than the being of other animals. This also makes it difficult, but this is good news too. Let's see if we can connect the idea of our being with the idea of man as a three-story house. You know, in the work they say, in the fourth way they say that man is like a three-story house. We all know this. We go, oh, yeah, yeah, man's like a three-story house. And if I were to ask you, well, what does that mean? You would probably tell me something. And it probably would be pretty shallow. <laughs> would, would you agree? It'd probably be pretty shallow. It'd probably be surface. Like, well, it means that we have three levels, and it means that we have three centers, and it means that, and we don't really, we're not really sure what it means. So maybe it'd be a good idea if we could connect up being with this idea of man as a three story house. So we know that man has three centers. 
We're talking, we, of course, man has seven centers, but we know that man has three centers that we want to talk about. And one of those centers, the bottom center, the, the first level of the house, the first story of the house, is really two centers, the moving instinctive. So we have the instinct moving center, and then we have the emotional center, which is above that. So the second story is the emotional center, and the third story is the intellectual center. Very good. So we've got these three centers, one above the other, like a three-story house. And like I said, this is the good news. It means we're capable of a kind of development of which other animals are not capable. No matter how much a bird tries, it's not going to be able to read a book. No matter how much a dog tries, and I've heard dogs, I've seen YouTube things where dogs, no, mama, you know, talk. But no matter how many YouTube things, you're not going to convince me that a dog can hold a conversation with me. And you're not going to convince me that my cat, although Chan Chan is a very intelligent cat and can actually open doors. You close the door, Chan can open the door, push it open, and come into the room. It's like you have to lock it. That's the only way to keep him out, to lock it. So he's smart like that. He's clever like that. He's not going to be able to write a book. So you're not going to convince me that he can. So I'm not going to have a conversation with my dog, even if he can go, Mama. I'm not going to read a book written by my cat. And although my bird, my parrot, can talk, she doesn't make a lot of sense. Try to have a conversation with her. She'll talk to you, but she doesn't. It, the conversation doesn't make sense. You say, well, what are you doing today? And she'll say, chicken. You know, I go, okay, well, well, what do you mean chicken? Why not duck? And she'll go, sunshine. You know, so you just don't know. It's, not, it's, it's just random. So it's not... Their being isn't the same as our being, and their being is never going to be like our being. They will never develop beyond their being. They can perfect their being. Chan Chan can become a perfect cat, whatever that means. Buddy Love could become a perfect dog. Scarlet could become a perfect parrot. But they're not going to ever develop beyond that. They have nowhere else to go because they have one center. And at the most, some have two, maybe. But they have one center, and that's it. So there's a huge difference. We're the only animal on this planet with three centers. It's said that a pig is the most intelligent farm animal. The being of a pig doesn't allow it to speak, doesn't allow it to write a book, doesn't allow it to build a house, start a fire, any of those things. Can't drive a car. It lacks the center necessary for those things. This should be clear to us. It should be clear to us that the reason that we walk the earth so proudly, the reason that we swagger about lording it over all the other animals is because we think, because we have more centers, that we have the right to lord it over them. This is a mistake based in self-love, self-adoration, and ego. It's a mistake, but it's a mistake that we all fall into or grow into when we're born on this planet because it's a mistake that everybody on this planet, most of the people on this planet, are making. Not all of them, but most of the people on this planet are making. And we're raised by those people, so we acquire this from them. A bird can talk to a bird. Now, you listen to robins or sparrows or whatever out there, and they tweet at each other, and somehow they seem to communicate. They understand one another, even though we don't understand them. Dogs seem to be able to communicate with other dogs, although we don't understand them. They can communicate with other of their kind. But they're incapable of thinking as we do. And this is the big difference. They're incapable of thinking as we do. So, it is through our intellectual centers that we attempt to communicate with one another and exchange ideas through speech and through words. 
it'll be written words or signs, but we try to, or hieroglyphs or paintings, whatever, we try to communicate with one another, exchange ideas with one another. This is something that we do that no other animal does. In the case of man, Morris Nichol observed, one might say it would be better if they could not, because all speaking is lying. Here you are. Why does he have to say things like that? First of all, all speaking is not lying. But for us, all speaking is lying. But all speaking is not lying. But not for us. For us, almost all speaking is lying. Would it be fair to say all speaking is lying? Sure, you can say all speaking is lying. Why is that? Because we speak about things that we don't understand as if we did understand them. We're pretentious. Because we imagine that we understand things that we don't understand. That's why. And that's why it's easy for him to say, or it was easy for him to say, all speaking is lying. If that seems like a blanket statement, it's because it is. It's a blanket statement. When speaking of man in general, it's necessary to use generalizations. What is possible for one man is not possible for all men. It is possible for one man to tell the truth. It is not possible for all men to tell the truth. You can see this. This is self-development of the individual, not of all men. Self-development means you must develop yourself. It doesn't mean that all men develop each other. It doesn't mean that if you develop, everybody else develops along with you. That's not what it means. Oh, yes, there may be some physical evolution involved. And over millions of years, the development of something in you is passed along and passed along. And through selective breeding, man develops along a different line because of some mutation here or there. But that's not what we're talking about. That's physical. We're talking about being, which is an entirely different matter. And so what's possible for one is not possible for all because of this self-development of the individual. This work of esoteric teachings, this application of esoteric ideas, is an individual application. It's an individual process. It's not something that a group does. It's something that individuals in that group do, and that makes the group. Just because people come to the group doesn't mean they're going to develop themselves. It just means they're coming to the group. That's all it means. It doesn't mean anything else. For people to think that, well, I'm going to get some by being here in this group. Well, I don't know. What some are you talking about? I mean, some people come to groups for different reasons. But if you think you're going to get some being from just showing up in a group, it's unlikely. It's possible, but it's unlikely. It's possible that if you sit over there by the fire, it's more likely that if you sit over there by the fire, you'll get warm. It's more likely that that'll happen than if you sit on my lap and you'll get being. No, that's not an invitation. Our being is divided into three parts. Intellectual being, emotional being, and instinct moving being. We haven't talked about this before in this way. And I thought it was really necessary after this phone conversation I had because I thought, well, I just talked about this last week. Well, just days ago I talked about this. You heard it. So why is it that you're not understanding this? Why is it you're not understanding being? We just talked about this. And it's because we haven't really looked into it enough because it's such a complicated subject. So intellectual being, emotional being, instinct moving being. A professional athlete has a very well-developed instinct moving part. Who was that guy who won all those gold medals swimming? The recent one. Yeah, Phelps. Yeah. Phelps. Yeah, Phelps. Phelps. Okay, Michael Phelps, fine. And, you know, God bless Michael Phelps, and I just, because I don't mean to say anything bad about him, I really don't. 
I think he's a wonderful human being. I really do. Maybe people don't agree with the things he does. He's young. He's making mistakes. He's made mistakes. He's, you know, that's a lot of all those gold medals and all that popular. That's a lot of stuff to deal with. And if you have any compassion, any external consideration at all, you will not judge the man. You will say, unless I swim a mile in his, you know, skin, his bathing suit, I'm not going to judge him. Because you don't know. Well, you have no idea what it's like to train like that. You have no idea what it's like to, to have so many people wooing you for your name. You don't know what it's like. So my advice is approach it with compassion and mercy and understanding. But we'll take Michael Phelps, for example. As we've seen, a pro who is very well developed in the Instinct Moving Center, but probably lacks certain development in other centers. Maybe the intellectual center lacks a, a corresponding development. He's very well developed in the instinct moving area, but in the intellectual area, we expect him, because he's such a great athlete, we expect him to be a great intellect. But he's not. And we expect him emotionally to be stable, but he hasn't shown that to be true. He's shown himself to be a young man who has needs that he sometimes unwisely tries to satisfy. Okay, that was as tactfully as I know how to put that. But the point is, there are some pros who are clever, and they're more clever, and they develop another center to some degree. Perhaps they could be called men numbers one, two, three. So one being the first story, two being the second story of the emotional, three being the third. So they're not intellectually that sharp, but emotionally, they have an instinct or they have a knowing of how to deal with this. They're charismatic and they have an instinct or a knowing of how to deal with this, intuition of how to deal with this. And so they are professionals, but they also can look good and get along with people. But they're maybe not Stephen Hawking, intellectually. A man who has a well-developed first story and a tidy second story. Maybe not well-developed, but it's tidy. You know, things are put in order. So emotionally, they've got something going on. Well, we may develop very well in the intellectual part, but lack any emotional development. This is pretty common. It's common enough to warrant the cliché, cold intellect. What does that mean? It means that someone can be intellectually cold and have no emotional development whatsoever. They can be kind of crazy scientists who experiment on people and feel nothing, have no emotional development whatsoever. Such a man might be a man three one two so he has the intellect and he has some skill but emotionally he's really far behind so the third story is well developed the first story is developed and the second story is not developed at all or not very well developed at all understand we're calling the first story instinct moving being the second being emotional being and the third intellectual being one above the other the first instinct moving being the second emotional being, the third intellectual being. Making it more complex than it already is now that we have that, but I know you've got the stories there. So you've got the story. The first story, the second story, the third story. Now we're going to make it a little more complex because each story has three separate rooms in it. Okay. So now this complicates matters a little bit more. We could even say each story is split level. So you know there'll be a split level house like our house is split level. You, you walk down two steps from the kitchen into the family room. You walk up two steps from the family room into the hallway that leads to the living room. So it's split level. 
And it has three stories. There's the lower story where the studio is, the main story, the second story where we have our living area, the kitchen, living area, and office, and then the third story where the bedrooms are and Connie has her office. So, but there's only one that's split level, and that's the second one. But imagine each, well, no, that's not true. The first one is split level too because you come off the stairs, so there's a landing, and then you can step down into the studio. So two of them are split levels. So imagine, though, having three levels on each floor, okay? Three split levels on each floor. That's a little bit more like what we are like. And like I said, it's going to make it a little more complex. The lowest level of each story is mechanical, instinct moving. So on the first floor, the lowest level is instinct moving, and the floor is instinct moving being. But then the lowest level of that is instinct moving. And then on that level, there's a split level. You step up a level, and there's an emotional level there. Instinct moving, emotional level. All right? And then you step up another level. There's an intellectual level in the instinct moving story. Follow that out to all three stories, and you have it. Each higher level is more conscious. So you start at the lowest level of the house, the first story, and you lowest level of the split level of that first story. You have the instinct moving, instinct moving. The instinct moving level of the instinct moving story. And that's the lowest mechanical level that you have. The least conscious. There's very little consciousness there, very little awareness there. It's almost all mechanical action. Now, it's time to populate a little three-story house. Each story has different eyes living on it. And each level is populated by different eyes within that story. I told you it was complex. But it's not too difficult. So let's go to that Bottom level, the lowest level of the split level of the first story, which is the instinct moving part of the instinct moving story. The instinct moving level of the instinct moving story. Now, it's populated by certain eyes, and they are the most mechanical, little mechanical eyes that you have. Now, the second story, you're going to have little mechanical eyes and instinct moving level of that one, too. And in the third story, you're going to have mechanical eyes and instinct moving level of that story as well, the intellectual story. The complexity is welcome to a man with intellectual being, but overwhelming to a man with instinct-moving being. So you will be able to notice now that the complexity of this, some people are like, yeah, 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 I got it, move on, move on. And other people are like, huh, can you move on, please, because I don't get it, and this can't really matter because it's making my brain hurt. Because I'm like Winnie the Pooh. I'm a bear of very little brain. There's nothing up here but cotton wadding, so just leave me alone, and I've got a big heart. Fine. So we have a two... One, three, man. Man, two, one, three. No problem. Someone else who says, yeah, this is right. I got all that. That's a three, one, two, man, more than likely. Because of the irritation in the second story. You know, oh, Come on, move on. That's enough. I've got that. I know better than that. You don't have to tell me. That kind of thing. So you can start to see people's being and you can start to see your own being in this. And that's really the idea is to see your own being in this. In either case, special efforts will be needed to develop the underdeveloped part of being to achieve balance. So it's easy to see that each one that we've talked about is out of balance. You got one who's this intellect, you got one who's all heart, you got one who's all moving instinct, great at this, bad at that, great at this, mediocre at that, great at this, horrible at that, and doesn't even know about this other one. So we can see that we have this imbalance. And if you look through life, it's everywhere. You don't see it in the other animals. And you don't see it in the other animals because they don't have to be balanced. How do you balance one center? Well, you just be that center. That's it. You're just being in that center. That's what you are. It's all instinct moving. They just do that. 
They don't think like we think. They don't have the options that we have. This is what makes us different, but this is what also gives us the possibility of evolution. Unfortunately, most people have a population explosion in the mechanical or formatory part of the intellectual center. That's where all the eyes are. All the eyes that are active in life all populate that center, the mechanical or the formatory part of the intellectual center. Under the influence of that mob of eyes, they imagine they're really thinking when they think. It's not thinking. It's all common phrases strung together. You know people like this. You go and you talk to a guy who, let's say, it's a convention, a political convention. You know exactly what you're going to hear from this party. You know exactly what you're going to hear from that party. You know the party line, right? And the party line will be a bunch of cliches. It'll be a bunch of phrases strung together. And they may string them together a little differently, but it always comes out to the same thing. This is what happens when this mob of eyes in the mechanical or formatory part of the intellectual center, when they start to think. It's just this. It's just this repetitious, over and over again, cyclical stuff that's repeated. We may have a few eyes living on a higher level of the intellectual center, at a higher level of being on one or more of the stories. If you have, in the first story, you've got some eyes living in the higher part of the intellectual center, and if the second story, you've got some eyes living in the higher part of the intellectual center, and on the third story, you've got some eyes living in the higher part of the intellectual center, on that level. So let's say you've got some eyes, like two or three eyes, in each highest level of each story, of our split-level stories. This raises our being some, but it also makes it easy to fall back down with mechanical eyes. You ever notice how difficult it is to maintain something that you realize? You have a realization, and it's like, yes, and you know it, you know it, and you're on board with it. You have eyes that are on board with it. But then there are so many other little, this mob of little mechanical eyes in the formatory part, or in the mechanical parts, and they just overwhelm us. And the next thing we know, we're back down in the slop again. As with the intellectual being, the most populated area of the emotional being is the lower level, where there is mechanical liking and disliking. So the eyes there all like and dislike mechanically. It's just like automatic. I don't like that. You'll, <laughs> you'll see it when food comes out. I don't like that. Don't put that on my plate. No, I don't want that. Oh, I like that. I want some of that. Can I have some of that too? I want some of that. I like that. So you'll see it and it's automatic. People are not thinking, now what is it that my body needs? Now what do I need for balance? Now what goes well with this and what is good for my dosha? And like that. And people don't do that as a rule. There are some people who are more highly developed who do that. But mostly, get around food and we go right into the mechanical part of the emotional center. We're sound asleep. It's like, yeah, I like that. I don't like that. I like that. I don't like that. So you can see that that part of our being is underdeveloped if that's a problem for you. Well, some people, of course, say, well, it's no problem for me. I like what I like and I don't like what I don't like. That's fine. Then you're right. It's no problem for you. And your problem will be that you're not going to be able to develop because it's no problem for you. You don't have any valuation about that yet. Conscious love can't exist in the mechanical levels of the emotional center. It only begins when you start to make conscious relationships based in these higher esoteric ideas, not in life ideas. So you've got to start to make conscious relationships that are based on higher esoteric ideas, not life ideas. But we don't do that. We've just talked about all this stuff that people do to augment their body. Why? because they want relationships based on how they look and how the other person looks. These are not higher esoteric ideas. These are life ideas. 
I like her, I like him, that looks like good sex. That looks like I would like to be with this person because they look good and they make me look good and I look good and we'll look good together. We're not going far that way. That's what we talked about, all the beautiful people in Hollywood who are unhappy and always getting divorces and changing partners. They're not changing partners because their partner suddenly got unbeautiful. It's not that. It's something else. It is only the higher levels of our top two stories that may receive a touch of influence, force, from the higher centers that are above man. It's like the helicopter. Remember the story about the flood? There's this big flood and this guy climbs up to the second story of his house and he climbs up to the third story of his house and he gets on the roof of his house and the flood's coming up and coming up. He's out there up on the roof praying, Oh God, please rescue me, save me, oh Lord, please save me. And a boat comes by and the guy in the boat stops and he says, Hey, come on, get in. No, 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 I'm waiting for God. So the boat leaves and then a helicopter comes and says, Come on, get aboard. And no, no, no. Well, we're like that. It's like the helicopter that comes to rescue us from the roof of that house in the flood. But unless we have some better, more intelligent eyes in place, we won't get the help we need. You see, unless we've got something that can recognize this is the answer to your prayer. The boat is the answer to your prayer. And you remember the end of the story is the guy drowns because he refuses all this help. He drowns. And so he goes to heaven. He gets to God and he says, well, I prayed and prayed and prayed and you didn't rescue me. And I want to know why. And he said, well, I sent a boat. I sent a helicopter. What did you want? And see, he just wasn't smart enough, just like us. Just not smart enough to see what is here. Not smart enough to hear because we can't get in touch with, we don't have enough being to get in touch with these higher centers. Because the boat is a higher center. The boat is the higher emotional center. The helicopter is the higher intellectual center. They're there with a bullhorn telling us, get in the boat, get in the helicopter. But somehow we can't hear it. Somehow we're not smart enough to get that. Somehow we don't have eyes intelligent enough to be in the right place to get the help that we need when we need it. The mechanical lower levels can never get in touch with the higher centers. Like most people in life, they can't comprehend what higher centers are saying. Read the Bible. If you understand it, you're in trouble. Seriously, if you understand it, you're in trouble. If you understand those parables, you're in imagination or you're crystallized because there isn't any understanding it, ultimately. Each parable has so many different levels of meaning that we could go through them for ages and still gain understanding, still get more light. Because our being resides so much in the lower parts or the basement of each center, we can't hear or believe what they're saying. We can listen to it, but we can't really hear it. You know, it's like, I'll say something and... Maybe you get a glimmer of what I mean, but then it just disappears. And then I say the same thing next week, and you go, oh yeah! And you get another glimmer, but then it disappears. We must strive to separate from mechanical thoughts and emotions because they limit our being. I remember the conversation I had, well, I can't do anything about it, it's just my being. Well, that's just not true. That is just not true. That is just the biggest cop-out there is. I can't do anything about it, that's just my being. You can work on your being, and you work on your being through your false personality. You know the things that are in your false personality that are crippling your being. So you've got to start to separate, strive to separate from the mechanical thoughts and emotions that are limiting your being. Because your being does attract your life. I can't help it, it's just my being, it just keeps on happening. Of course it keeps on happening. 
It's because it's your being. But you can change your being by working on your false personality, by working on your thoughts and your feelings, by working on these little mechanical eyes, by bringing light to these areas. Only by changing these two centers can anything happen differently from what's always happening. What two centers? The mechanical thoughts, the mechanical emotions. So the mechanical part of the intellectual center, the formatory part of the intellectual center, and the formatory or mechanical part of the emotional center. Unless you start to change there, nothing's going to change. That's what's limiting your being. If you meditate 20 hours a day, it'll be useless unless you're involving these two centers. If you're just sitting there meditating 20 hours a day, it's not going to do you any good any more than it would be for these fakirs to stand on one leg for 20 years. It doesn't do them any good. It just cripples them, and they have will. Okay, But what good is it? It doesn't do them any good. We need to have our being changed, not stand on one leg for 20 years, not meditate for 20 hours a day. You may even crystallize unless you start thinking from esoteric ideas. Your being will not change with your exercises. It's not going to change with your diet. It's not going to change with the books you read, the podcasts to which you listen. It's not going to change because of those things. It's not going to be changing because of what you hear. You have to do it. You can't just be hearers of it. You've got to be a doer as well. The first change is to think differently beyond your current mechanical thinking. What is current mechanical thinking? Well, it's my being. I can't help anything. It just keeps on happening. That's mechanical thinking. That needs to change. Whatever it may be, slowly you'll choose better eyes. The better eyes that reside in higher centers, higher levels of the third story of your house, and perhaps begin to change your being. This is the way we do this. There is no other way. If there were another way, I would tell you about it. But there is no quick fix. There is no easy way. This is the way. The answer is conscious love. In order to have conscious love, you must be conscious. In order to be conscious, you're going to have to get out of the mechanical parts, the unconscious mechanical parts of centers. In order to do that, you're going to have to work. You're going to have to strive in all these areas, and at least two areas at once, and better three. It's better to work on your diet, it's better to work on your thoughts, and it's better to work on your emotions all at once. It's better to work on your physical, your instinct moving, your being, your emotional being and your intellectual being all at once. If you can't manage all of them all at once, then try and do two at a time. Try and select two and do the work. It works, but only if you work it. You light up an instant matter.